Well, we are in week three of our Exodus sermon series. Now, Exodus is an amazingly fantastic book in the Old Testament. It tells the story of God calling a particular people, the Israelites, to be his chosen people. And the book is filled with ups and downs, with highs and lows, with successes and with failures. And I think we can learn so much from it as God's people today, for we are, in Christ, a part of God's chosen people. Last week, we heard the story from Pastor John about how God rescued his people from bondage in slavery under the Egyptian pharaoh's harsh rule. And we saw how God led his people right through the parting of the Red Sea so they could pass through on dry ground. And we saw how after the Israelites had passed through that God stopped holding back Pharaoh's army anymore and and they entered the sea chasing after the former slaves. And then God collapsed the sea on top of the Egyptian army and every single one of them drowned. God protected his people and he delivered them to safety. On the other side of the shore, there was a great celebration. Moses' sister, Miriam, broke out in song and dance and played the tambourine, and there was much singing. But before long, God started to lead the Israelites through the desert toward the promised land. And it wasn't very long at all before the Israelites got hungry And they got thirsty. And after about a month and a half of journeying, the people started to get really hangry. You know what I'm talking about? You know, when your hunger starts to affect your mood and you get angry on top of that, and all of a sudden you're not just hungry anymore, you're hangry. That's where we find the Israelites. Picking up in Exodus chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. I hate to say this, but I can really identify with those Israelites. Can you? At least some of the time. I mean, when I get hungry, it doesn't take very long for it to affect my mood. And suddenly, I turn from just being hungry into being hangry. And then I know I better eat something quick or it's going to go downhill really fast. Or how many times did you say when you were a little kid? Or did you hear your own kids say to you? Or maybe you even say it sometimes yourself today when dinner is going to be just a little bit later than usual. Those infamous words, I'm starving. (laughs) Really? Starving? 
And we, we become impatient, don't we? And we forget all about the provisions that God gave to us yesterday. And all we can do is to complain about what we don't have right now. Well, the Israelites were just like we are much of the time. They forgot all about the plundering of the Egyptians. They forgot about the parting of the Red Sea, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. They got hungry. They grumbled. They complained. They said, we're starving. I think we're going to die. And then their memories became really selective. They said, remember when we used to be slaves in Egypt? We sat around gigantic pots of meat and we ate all we wanted to eat. I mean, they make it sound like being slaves was like dining at the Four Seasons. <laughs> now, I've never heard a slave who was treated like that. I mean, remember, the Israelites had to go out and gather their own straw so they could make by slave labor the bricks for Pharaoh's building projects. I doubt he was giving them an all-you-could-eat buffet every night when they got off work. Well, God heard them complaining from heaven, and he knows that Moses is in a bind. And so he talks to Moses. Verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? 
for they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. I read that passage and I think to myself, wow, how gracious and generous God is. The people complained and grumbled, even after all they had seen the Lord do. And in spite of that, the Lord did not get angry. He simply provided for his people exactly what they needed. He rained down bread from heaven in the morning, and quail meat rained down every evening. God had two purposes in this provision of manna. First, it was to test the Israelites' obedience to God while they were on their way to the promised land. Because the manna came with some instructions from God, didn't it? You've heard the expression, no doubt, it's like a kid in the candy store, or wow, his eyes were way bigger than his stomach. Well, imagine that you're hungry, and you walk into your local bakery first thing in the morning, and the smell of fresh bread baking hot out of the oven greets you before you're barely through the door. Overwhelmingly, it just overwhelms your senses. And don't forget about the smell of the donuts and the bagels and the pastry. Are you going to pick just one item, just enough to curb your anger or your hunger? Or are you going to want to buy one of everything? That's how I feel when I walk into the bakery. Like us, the Israelites were going to be tempted to take one of everything, to take more than they needed. God told his people to take only what they needed for that day. Because tomorrow, God was going to send more. They didn't need to worry about it. God's people needed to learn to trust God to faithfully, daily provide for them and not trust in their own ability to gather and to store up more and more. Jesus taught us to pray for our daily bread, not for a pantry full of bread, and Jesus was referencing the manna, which they had to trust God for every day. You see, God gives us enough light on our path to take the next faithful step. Even when we might want to see the whole road ahead illuminated, God gives us enough for the next step. Jesus also taught us not to worry about tomorrow. He told us to look at the birds of the air and the lilies of the field and to take notice how God feeds the birds and how beautifully he dresses the flowers of the field. And we are worth so much more to God than birds or flowers which are here today and, and gone tomorrow. Just like the Israelite community in its infancy, we too have to learn to trust God for our daily sustenance. 
You know, there's a lot more to worry about when you accumulate more and more stuff, isn't there? Stock portfolios, cars that break down, kids that can be rebellious, houses, businesses, you name it. The more our life becomes more and more complex, the harder it is sometimes to trust the Lord. But that doesn't mean that it's any less necessary. You see, in the wilderness, God stripped the Israelites down to trusting him for their most basic necessities. God would provide. Now, obviously, this is pretty different from our experience today. I mean, food doesn't just fall down out of the sky. I have to go to Kroger or Marge does or Aldi or wherever you go for food, right? It doesn't just rain down on you. Nevertheless, we still have that same lesson to learn, to trust God and to rely on God even though we may have food in our pantry. In Haitian culture, when a mother gives her young child a piece of bread, she teaches her child to tear the bread in half and then give half back to the mother. You see, Haitian children are taught to share what they have with others from the youngest age possible. That way, there is always enough to go around. The first trip that I took to Haiti back in 2001, Pastor Linda Troy was also along on that trip. We were seminary students together at the time, and the trip was a part of our learning our team members stayed in some guest rooms that were part of an orphanage for boys high up in the hills above Port-au-Prince. And a couple of the young men that had grown up at that orphanage had aged out. They had reached the age of 18, and so they were helping us the week we were there as our guides and as our translators. And I remember one day Pastor Linda purchased some of those little boxes of raisins to eat with lunch. They came in a pack, maybe a dozen or so of those little boxes. And I remember she gave a couple of the little boxes to our translators for themselves. And the next morning, as we came out of the guest rooms to get in the van for the day, there were several other young men that hadn't been there the day before. And they were eating their breakfast, boxes of raisins. You see, our translators hadn't kept what they had been given all to themselves. They had shared it with those who did not have any. And so there was enough to go around. There was a second purpose for God to provide manna for his people. And that was to reveal God's glory. Moses told the people that when they gather the manna, you will see the glory of God because you will know it was the Lord when he gives you all the bread you want. Then you will know I am the Lord your God. You see, God's whole purpose in bringing the Israelites out of Egypt was to bring them into Canaan. But the whole journey of which the provision of manna was just a very small part, was really to demonstrate the glory of God. The manna was really a means to an end. 
Psalm 78, verse 19 says, Can God spread a table in the desert? Yes, he can. You see, God's provision in the wilderness is an affirmation that nothing is impossible with God. That God will be glorified as he shows forth his power, even in the provision of the daily necessities of our lives. So let's see what happens next in this passage. Verse 17. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until the morning. But it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it. But on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. You see, God continues to teach his children. He is teaching them obedience and discipline. And at first we learn the people did as they were told. And each one gathered enough. Those who needed a lot for a large family had just enough. And those who needed a little for a smaller family also had just enough. And then Moses instructed them not to keep any of the manna that they had gathered until morning. Why? Because God would provide more manna in the morning. So there was no need to keep any. Again, God was teaching them to trust him day by day by day. But then... Per usual, human nature, right? Some of the Israelites didn't pay any attention to God. They tried to keep some of their manna until the next morning. They didn't trust God for their daily bread. And that didn't work out so well for them, did it? Because in the morning they found that leftover mag uh, manna to be full of maggots and stinking to high heaven. You can imagine that greeting you for breakfast, right? Not so good. But I think the really amazing thing, a thing that also shows God's power and his glory, is that on the sixth day of the week, they were told to gather twice as much as they needed. They ate what they needed on the sixth day, and then they boiled or baked 
the rest of it. So they would have food to eat on the Sabbath day of rest. They wouldn't have to work at all on the Sabbath gathering. And on the sixth and seventh days of the week, gathering twice as much worked out just great for them. No smell, no maggots. That was God's plan. My friend, God longs to teach us to trust him for our daily needs and to build into us the rhythms of life, the rhythm of work, and the rhythm of rest. There should be nothing to distract us from worshiping the Lord every Sabbath day. So let's bring this passage home, picking up in verse 27. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. It's peculiar, isn't it? How long it takes for many of us to learn and obey the things that God is trying to lovingly teach us. Don't take more than you need, but we do. Don't keep any manna overnight, but we do. Don't go looking for work on the Sabbath, but we do. Finally, God got through to some of the people. And yet, like us, how long does it last? Why is it that we need to learn some lessons over and over and over again? And aren't you glad how patient God is with you when you need to do that? I know I am. Well, the Israelites continue their pilgrimage, and soon it's not food that they're complaining about anymore. It's water. Exodus 17, verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people. 
Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled. And because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Different day, different problem. Different problem, same outcome. Grumbling and quarreling and complaining. Over and over again, God is providing for his children's every single need. Each of these stories points to a problem God's children faced as they sojourned in the desert, being molded, being shaped, being formed into God's covenant people. And each of these stories points to an even greater fulfillment of God meeting the needs of his children in Jesus Christ. You remember the story after Jesus miraculously fed the 5,000 men plus the women and children. And the very next day, people came looking for him to fill them up with more loaves of bread. And Jesus told them, I tell you the truth. You're looking for me. Don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me will never be hungry. And it is Jesus who is the living water, because anyone who drinks earthly water is going to become thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water Jesus gives will never thirst Indeed, the water Jesus gives will become a well of water springing up inside of us to eternal life. So we have a choice to make. We can either have a posture of praise or we can have a posture of murmuring. We can look around us and see all of the infinite ways that God is faithful to meet our each and every need. Or we can focus on what it is we think we're missing out on and go around complaining and quarreling and murmuring. I think sometimes we miss the miracles of God's provisions out of busyness out of stress, and we try and get everything going too fast all on our own, spinning the plates in the air, juggling all the balls, trying to get it all done. And other times I think we just lose sight of, we forget all of the things that matter most in life, the really important things that God is caring for. But you know what? Even on those days, there's God's grace. God waits for us. His provision and blessings, they never, ever, ever run dry. Every day, God's miracles are right before our eyes, 
We just have to choose to look for them and stay close in God's presence. So this week, here's an invitation for you. Let's put it into practice. I mean, when you have a real need, instead of complaining, take a minute to talk to God. Jehovah Jireh, your provider, about what it is that you need. And let's build some time into our daily prayer routine when we just thank God for all of his provisions and for the ways he meets our each and every need. Shall we start right now? Let's pray. Jehovah Jireh, you are indeed our provider. Every good and perfect gift comes from you, Father, and we are so grateful. Thank you, God, for the breath that you put in our lungs as we woke up and drew breath for the first time this morning. Thank you, God, for the clean water that turned on as we turned on the tap to brush our teeth, for the breakfast we ate, for a roof over our head, for a soft place to lay our head at night, for our family, for our friends, for this church, God, and so much more. These are all blessings, all gifts from you. We thank you, God, for showing forth your glory in some spectacular ways each and every day. And forgive us for those times when we get so busy, so caught up, so focused on what we think we're lacking that we fail to give you thanks and praise for all that you give us. Lord, we want to have a posture of praise. We want to have a posture of praise. Most of all, Lord, we thank you for Jesus, who is the bread of of the world, who is the living water. We thank you for giving us new life and sustaining us by the life, death, and resurrection and our faith in Jesus. Lord, send us forth from this place as carriers of the bread of life, as carriers of the water of life. Help us share those provisions with us and what you're doing in our life with others so that those who are starving may find the bread that will fill them up forever. So those that are thirsting may find the water that will quench their thirst forever and lead to eternal life. God, we thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. You are indeed Jehovah Jireh, our provider. We thank you in the name and for the sake of Jesus, in whose name we pray. And all God's people said together, Amen.